Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your third place Miami Dolphins, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and Big Heads Media podcast network. My name is Sam Marcoux. His name is Chris Cullen, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Chris, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm doing great, my guy. It has been a good couple of weeks, both for NFL and for other reasons, which we'll get into. But yeah, so far, so good. Good week. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins win again, beating a, a somewhat playoff-bound Indianapolis Colts. Of course, they are without Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett. We are uh, beating their third-string quarterback, Brian Hoyer, who used to be a New England Patriots and the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, so he was no necessary slouch. But they did beat somewhat of a uh, of an injured, depleted Indianapolis Colts team. But that does mean that the Miami Dolphins have a two-game winning streak, good for fourth-longest winning streak in the NFL at this moment. And as you heard at the top of the show, they are no longer in last place in the AFC East. That would belong to the New York Lousy Jets, who actually came off a victory themselves against the New York Giants. But due to strength of schedule and some other things, the Miami Dolphins, if the season were to end today, Chris, are out of the AFC East cellar, third place in the AFC East behind the Jets, and looking up slightly at our opponent this weekend, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, it's a weird thing when we're there's an argument to be mad that we won two straight because now the Jets can get two up technically, even though they have Darnold or trade down for a ton of picks. It's the weirdest year. We played the Colts, and um, before the season, you're like, that's a loss, yep. no question about it, on the road against Andrew Luck, and then he retires, and then you're like, uh-oh, and then Brissett starts playing his ass off. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a loss. Then he's hurt, and you're like, uh, Brian Hoyer? Uh oh, and then it's like, oh, well, they still got Marlon Mack. It's fine. Uh, they're still going to win. And we came out, and there's again these guys you've never heard of making plays, uh, intercepting balls, ripping the ball out of yeah tight ends' hands in the end zone. Like holy shit! Like I got up to grab a beer, I think, and everybody just went nuts. And I'm like, what the hell happened? They're in the red zone, about to score. Why are you cheering? And then I saw the replay. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Like, oh my, unbelievable. And we're doing it. Without really a run game either, other than Ryan Fitzpatrick running because he's 36 but runs like he's 20. Um, it, it's, it's just crazy. We knew it would be entertaining and crazy, but Sam, this is just kind of like our political and economic world we're living in. We knew and expected something, and we still can't top the reality of what's going on. No, I mean, Stephen Parker was the defensive back who took that ball away from Eric Ebron. I mean, he literally just stole his lunch money. I mean, even the announcers, Chris, said, oh, that's a touchdown. And then all of a sudden you look and you go, well, he doesn't have the ball. Stephen Parker has the ball. Furthermore, who the heck is Stephen Parker? I think he right. was my accountant last year. I mean, and all of a sudden there <laughs> What's he is. What's his number? Is his number 26? I think is. I don't even think he has a number. It just says Stephen <laughs> Parker on the and the, the, no numbers assigned. The numbers it, like in quotes it just says Steve. Yeah, it's just a question mark. That's all it is. It's, just, it's a question mark in Parker. And if he does it again, then we'll give him a number. He needs two incredible interceptions in the end zone against Eric Ebron, and then we give him an actual number. But Stephen Parker, a guy that you haven't heard of, a guy who I think is related to Spider Man on some level. <laughs> um, 
does his best Spider-Man impression, climbs all over Eric Ebron, steals the ball, and just thwarts that right then and there. And you're right, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I had to start in two of my fantasy football leagues, Chris, because I was out of quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett was my backup to another guy who was on a bye, so I had to run out and go grab Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he goes lumbering in to the most ungraceful uh, uh, touchdown dive of all time where his knee somehow hit on the four-yard line, but the ball was already cross. <laughs> The the end zone for a touchdown uh, leads us to our second straight victory, uh, both against AFC East opponents with the Jets and now the Colts. And now we're going up against the Bills this next week. Uh, we could be on a winning streak. Don't call it a comeback, but we might be on a winning streak after this week. We'll talk more about the Bills game in just a little bit. Uh, but this was an incredible game. I'm not sure how to feel about the overall outcome because I do want one of the top picks. And right now, Chris, we would be picking number five or number six because, lo and behold, there's a bunch of terrible teams behind us, including the Redskins, the Bengals, the Jets, the Giants, and others. Um, But right now, uh, I'm not sure how to feel because I'm glad that we won, and I'm glad to see this team continue to progress. We talked about that last week. I've never seen a team just continue to impressively progress week after week after week. It's like they're going through football puberty right in front of us Mm. here. We heard their voices cracking. They've been experimenting with their own bodies, and now they're becoming men right in front of our own eyes here. Um, But, man... There are some things that are going on with this team that are just impressive as hell. And I'm going to give you an example here, Chris. At some point, I'm going to say it was the second quarter, um, the Miami Dolphins had not had a penalty yet. Or they had had one, maybe. So this might be the third quarter. And instead of taking a timeout, it was like, I believe it was third and 17 or third and 23. Something like that. They were backed up deep into their own because of, uh, I, I think we had uh, not a penalty, but we just had a loss of yardage and then maybe a penalty. Whatever the case may be, it was like third and 23. Instead of calling a timeout because it was too noisy and we couldn't get set, Brian Flores and Ryan Fitzpatrick just elect to take a delay of game. They took a delay of game and it put another five yards on that third and 23. But the rationale was, we're not going to convert a third and 23. We know our limitations. We're not going to burn a valuable timeout because we can't get set. Instead, we're going to go ahead and take that extra five yards. We'll dig out a little bit with a little dump shovel pass or run or whatever it is we get. And then we'll get to fourth and 17 and we're going to punt it away. And to me, that was such a Bill Belichick-esque move. Just knowing the odds, knowing where you are on the field, knowing what you have in terms of timeouts and the value that those will, will bring later in the game. And instead of just burning it because you can't hear, because the crowd is too loud, take the penalty, let them settle down a little bit, then run your play, and then punt it away. Because chances are you're not going to convert that third and 18 or third and 19 or whatever it was. And I just thought, that is a brilliant coaching strategy right there. Did you pick up on that? No, and you, but I knew the play as soon as you started describing it. And it really is when you think about it and dig deep into it. Um, one of those where he probably looked at O'Shea and was like, do we have a play in our playbook that gets us 17 yards? And he's like, not really. I mean, a miracle. And he's like, okay, take take the penalty. Because like you said, you only get three timeouts. And you got to save them on the road especially uh, in, in what you know is going to be a close game. We're mm-hmm. not blowing anybody out. And if anything, we'll get blown out and timeouts are irrelevant. So to do that and even give your punter some room – um, is is a great move. It's a great move. It's it's realistic, and that's what I like. Is you can be ballsy to a fault where you're like, um, yeah, yeah, we're we're totally gonna do that one play, and he throws it deep, and it's a pick six. Yeah, it, where it's like, you know what? Just take the fucking timeout, and we'll live to see another another drive. And 
that's when mistakes are made. And when a guy, especially like Fitzpatrick, is not going to take the check down on the third and 17, he's going to take it as a challenge where he's going to throw it up to Parker and all of a sudden it's a pick. Um, where you just kind of take your losses, take it on the chin, and, and then punt. And that was a, a great move by Flores. He did a lot of things, and he's been saying the right things in press conferences and how he's been handling roster movement and uh, playing time and things like that. That's really got me impressed with this guy. And and not you didn't mention it, and this is where I thought you were going at first. It's funny we took that penalty on purpose, and we're still first place in the entire league in the least amount of penalties. We're a disciplined team for guys that don't have a lot of experience in the NFL, and we're, we're clearly the youngest team in the NFL, and Flores has got them playing good his first year. Uh, it's a stark contrast from last year where we actually had conversations, meaning you and I on this show, welcome to Perfectville, to the citizens of Perfectville, talking about how undisciplined an Adam Gase team was. We had yes. stupid penalties. We it was, They were drive killers, and they got us to a point where we absolutely couldn't even move the ball anymore. We were crippled because of these holding penalties, these offside penalties, these pass interference and procedural calls. That is not happening with this team, and it is the fundamental difference between an Adam Gase-led team like you're seeing with the New York Jets and a Brian Flores-led team like you're seeing with the Miami Dolphins right now. Both have the same record, but one team is clearly headed in the right direction, and the other one is actually spiraling out of control. And it's not the Miami Dolphins that are spiraling out of control right now. And I think it speaks a lot to the team buying in to what Brian Flores is doing and ultimately coming out the other end a better, you know, a better product. Now, I do have this question, though, Chris. So the Miami Dolphins win this game. They go to 2-7. and seven. They've pretty much guaranteed that they're not going to have the number one overall pick unless they were to trade their other two draft picks from the Steelers and the Texans, which are looking like they're going to be late first rounders at this point to the Cincinnati Bengals to leapfrog and go up and go get Tua or whoever it is that they want. Um, we've won those games with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback, not Josh Rosen. At one point earlier this season, Brian Flores said Josh Rosen is the starter for the rest of the season. That went all of one week before he turned around and said, just kidding, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick from here on out. The working theory is that he was getting close to losing this locker room, that it was going to become a joke of a season, and we weren't going to actually have this good culture that we're starting to see right now. So as a result of that, Brian Flores has now put Ryan Fitzpatrick back in. I called him Fitzpatrick again. Fitzpatrick (laughs) back in. They've won a couple of games, and now we're starting to see this culture buy-in where people are like, yes, we're pumped, we're motivated. We're starting to see talent when it comes to somebody like Preston Williams, Mark Walton, people like that. Devontae Parker had himself another really good game. You know, these types of players uh, are starting to gel and mesh together. But are we learning anything about our young people on offense? Mainly, we're obviously not learning anything with Josh Rosen. We know what we have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is not the future. He may not even be here next year. So are we doing right by the franchise long term by, yes, winning a couple games and energizing this franchise as well as the fans and the players? Or are we doing ourselves a disservice instead of saying, you know what, let's just go 0-16, let's throw all the young people out there, including Josh Rosen, and see if we have anything at the quarterback position with him in the future. It's a tough call because um, we don't know the whole scoop and the whole story. There could have been an opportunity or a chance that there's a possibility that there's a phone call from Roger Goodell, and he's like, listen, if you guys don't start you know, showing some – competitiveness on the field and possibly even win a game we're going to really dig into this and Mm -hmm. you're going to we're going to take your first round pick so you won't be the first overall third overall fifth overall it's gone and um we don't know that i'm completely speculating there but that's a possibility because it is weird that he just like totally threw his hat in the ring was like you're our starter for the rest of the year and after a week he's like just kidding ryan get back in there um rosen seems to be taking it well he's on the sidelines celebrating with his guys i think from what we hear on from the players especially the young ones um 
the McMillans and the Bakers, they're extremely vocal about being motivated and wanting to win. And that's outside talk about tanking. That's not their guys in the locker room. And I think being in a locker room before Flores making that move with Fitzpatrick and us being very competitive in that Bills game and then winning two straight, the guys are like, look, we're not going out there and putting our bodies on the line for nothing. Flores does care about us. And that could mean a better future for our team because the core leadership is going to be able to tell these guys with genuine feelings that the guys we bring in in the offseason, the rookies and the free agents, they're going to look at them and be like, no, Flores got our back, guys. We know it 100%. He's got our back. And that could lead to being something great down the line. And you just mentioned something. You said we've won two games with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Rosen. Everybody wants Tua and everybody wants from. Um, and yes, there's Herbert out there and there's uh, Jalen Hurts and these other guys and there's there's free agents. So he can get in this in the offseason, but there's there's Cam Newton. Not saying I want him. There's Cam Newton. There's um, possibly uh, Teddy Bridgewater and all these other guys. And it's like we're winning with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's 36 and he's been a journeyman. Can we win with this culture and all the picks we have? And the, the leadership we have coming back, Rashad Jones might be back this week. Stephen Howard will be back next year. Preston Williams will be back next year. And then our picks and our, our draft, our capital, our salary cap capital. If we could win with this horrible roster of XFL wannabes and Brian <laughs> Fitzpatrick, what can Flores and his staff do with good, legitimate talent? Do we need Tua to be great? Because I've seen the list on Twitter. The last 10 number one overall picks, they're not going to Super Bowls. So – Obviously, you want the best quarterback out there, and obviously there's uh, pros and cons to all of it, but there's just a lot to consider right now, and I, I think it means a better thing for our future to be competitive than it is to just absolutely suck and go 0-16. I'll tell you what, it's more exciting to watch the game knowing that they might have a possibility of winning. Like I'm yeah. all on board for the tank for Tua. If we get him, I would be thrilled and ecstatic because I do think he's a generational quarterback talent. But at the same time, winning games is a lot of fun. I live in the here and the now. That's how I watch football. I watch it from you know 10 to 1 my time here on the West Coast or 1 to 4 for everybody else. And at the end of it, I move on with my life because I have a kid to feed. I have a dog who just got his nuts cut off, which, by the way, the Miami Dolphins are now undefeated since my dog lost his <laughs> balls, by the way. You're welcome, Dolphins. Also, since he lost his balls, the 19th 72 perfect season remains the only perfect season in the modern NFL era. We'll talk a little bit more about that later in this episode of Perfectville. Uh, but you're right, Chris. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. Right now, I'm beginning to buy into Brian Flores being the type of coach that is going to command respect from his players, and he's going to get the most out of them. And I have no doubts that on defense in particular, we're starting to find some gems. Raekwon McMillan was not a good player in Adam Gase era. He's been a very good player for Brian Flores in this defense. Jerome Baker was a good player last year. He's a great player this year. Yep. Uh, Christian Wilkins seems like he's coming along. Taco Charlton, a guy that everyone loved coming out of college who did absolutely nothing for the Dallas Cowboys, has come come on to be a really good player for the Miami Dolphins in his very, very short tenure here. And Nick Needham. Nick Needham was somebody that nobody knew until a couple of, what, three, four weeks ago? And all of a sudden, he's out there making plays and graded out as one of our top defenders this past week against the Indianapolis Colts. We are finding these young talents on defense, which are making the older talents expendable or just forgettable in some cases. Cough, cough, Kiko Alonso. I'm just worried about the offensive line. I'm worried about you know, the quarterback position. I'm worried about even the running back position because I don't think Kalen Balash is the answer. I mean, did you no. see he had maybe two runs that were of decent quality? But he is... 
He doesn't see the cutback lanes. I don't think he's got good vision. I don't think he is a guy um, that's going to be the long-term answer. We already talked about him uh, a little bit here uh, when it comes to whether or not he's going to be a Finn or finished after the 2019 season. And I guess that's just a good transition, Chris. Let's just talk about it. Finn or finished. This this week we're talking about a guy we just talked about on defense uh, that goes against Taco Charlton. And we're talking, of course, about Charles Harris. Mm. Um, Sasquatch himself, number 90. I did see him out there making a couple of almost plays, but I think that's been his definition as a Miami Dolphins player so far. He's almost made plays for three seasons now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Charles Harris? Is he a Finn in 2020, or is he finished here in South Beach? Um, I think... What I'm about to say is probably worse than, than than just like shitting all over him or saying he's good. I honestly say I don't care about this guy, this player mm. at all. He's done. He's forgettable. He's done nothing. Um, the opportunities he gets squanders them. They're just not there. Um, and then a guy comes in off the street, Taco Charlton, and, and you can't even say, well, he's a first-round pick. Yeah, so was Charles Harris. So my thing is the saltiness of being a Dolphins fan is looking back at past drafts and the guys drafted after our busts. And you've seen it with Jared Odrick and Koa Misi when we've passed on Earl Thomas and Gronk. And <laughs> you, you, you see it. It's like kills me to even say it. You see it when we get Eddie Moore instead of Anquan Bolden. You mm. see it when we now and this comes around. We we draft Charles Harris, who's been an absolute afterthought, healthy scratch type of player. When T.J. Watt goes a couple plays, you know, draft picks after, and Crazy. it's just like, what are we doing? And what did we do to be cursed for this to keep happening? I know draft picks boom and bust and it's it's a missed science but it just seems like it's always busting to us and and if we do pick a good guy we let him go <laughs> so it's just like it's very crazy to me i just saw a stat because i was watching a pregame show before um we recorded here on thursday night uh the steelers defense have 10 first round picks 10 mm. first round picks they're keeping their guys and then getting our guys and they're playing well they got Dion bush and tj watt like those are just game changers that you get and you bring it on your team and then you trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. It's like, that's how you do it. And their defense is winning them games. So it, it, just like Charles Harris, I started talking about other players when I'm supposed to be talking about him. That's how forgettable he is. Let me bring <laughs> Char- Charlton, uh, Taco Charlton in, and, and he's a better player all around. So is Vince Beagle. Vince Beagle is a better player than Charles Harris. So uh, what I will say is he's finished because he never, he's, he never started, Sam, and, and I, I never got the – the the thing about this guy, these lower tier SEC players, him, the Egg News, like guys like that, stay away from them. The Missouri players, like they're yeah, they played in the SEC, but it inflates their numbers when they do a couple of good things against Alabama, LSU, to where the draft pundits put them up the board. This guy is worthless as an NFL defensive end. Wow, worthless. You hear that, Charles Harris? Worthless, and you're not going to do anything about it. Mika Fitzpatrick, by the way, has five interceptions yeah. uh, for the he's, for he's the, in the conversation uh, for defensive player of the year since leaving. Whoops, our bad. Remember after like the first uh, the first week, we're like, ha ha, the Niners made you look like a chump. Now I'm just watching him every week, like, oh look at him scoring again. Look at that. He's got more touchdowns than all of our wide receivers combined. Lovely. That's a <laughs> lovely thing to see. Oh well. Uh, and I agree with you. I don't think Charles Harris is long for the Miami Dolphins world. He is finished Pretty after sure. this season. I think this was his last opportunity to show that he could do something. New coach, new scheme, new everything, and he's still just not getting it done. I mean, when you're getting outplayed outplayed by a lunch meal on the other side of you. <laughs> they, they, 
I mean, Chipotle is knocking on his door saying, you know what, you can actually probably sell tacos for us since you can't outplay an actual taco across the street from you. Um, it's just not going well for Charles Harris, and he needs a change of scenery, and by that I mean a change of scenery into a different career altogether in some cases. <laughs> so, no, I, well, uh, and, I agree And with Sam, you. I it's like one done. of those things, if you can't do it with this coaching staff – and with Brian Flores and these guys, these guys you never even heard of, the Vince Beagles that are coming in with a high motor and they're making plays and making stuff happen. Um, I mean, there's guys on the defensive line that are making plays. I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? But Charles Harris can't. It's just like, dude, come on. You're a first-round draft pick. I, I don't know what it is. It's just he just isn't making the plays, and you can't sit around waiting until it, it, it happens because he's just not, he's not doing anything for us. No, he's not. I mean, you're not a fan of his. I'm not a fan of his. But you know what, Chris? Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Yeah, maybe. Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash into your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. What do you think about that, Chris? That's kind of cool. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win, Chris. That's hot. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off of everything else and get back on the game. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit 2000 Chris, you get an extra 1000 in free money to play with. That's a lot of math. Just use promo code LATEFEES to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LATEFEES to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. What do you think about that, Chris? I've got PTSD from blockbuster days with late fees (laughs) well again go ahead type in late fees when you sign up to uh, gamble on mybookie.ag and they will give you 50 percent of your deposit up to a thousand dollars so put in two thousand get an extra thousand that's three thousand in your account to go ahead and put down on the miami dolphins as they go to play the buffalo bills this weekend here, Chris. And speaking of the Buffalo Bills, this is a team that at one point looked like they were going to be a playoff contender, <laughs> not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC as a whole. And then they went out and played a game called uh, Lose to the Browns. And they were very good at Lose to the Browns, so much so that they lost to the Cleveland Browns. And they made Jarvis Landry look like a stud once again. Jarvis Landry loves he to owns play the, Bills. the Buffalo yep. Bills. He absolutely owns them, 100%. But this isn't the Cleveland Browns. This isn't the Dog Pound podcast. This is the Miami Dolphins podcast. And we are playing the same Buffalo Bills team that lost to the Browns less than a week ago. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chris, against this awful Buffalo Bills franchise? Well, I was watching Good Morning Football today on my lunch break, and they did a whole thing about this, about um, who are you? And it, it was about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And, um, you know, they're talking about how they're picking on kind of some losing teams, and then they played and lost to the Browns. And they picked this game – to say this is Josh Allen's opportunity and the team's opportunity to shit or get off the pot, basically. You're playing the Dolphins. You have every opportunity coming off a loss to uh, right the ship, so to speak, and win by 28 and really get your stuff back going and rolling, and uh, this is the game. So they're going to be coming in pretty hot. They, uh, we are competitive against them the first game on the road. Uh, we are now playing at home. 
in um, in Miami down there. So we're coming off of two wins, possible Rashad Jones being back. And Josh Allen makes mistakes, and he's inaccurate with the ball. And this defense is just playing on another level right now. So this game is one of those. I- I'm going to make two predictions here, Sam. Sorry, had Arby's, got the bubble guts. Um, ooh. Ooh, yeah. Did you eat? Did you eat a buffalo sandwich at Arby's? No, I had uh, the the old, the old roast beef, the old classic. Mm. Arby sauce, horsey sauce, pretty. I mean, it's good. Uh, people hate horsey's, on it. What What is horsey sauce? In, like horseradish and mayonnaise mix. I don't know if it's mayonnaise. It's hor- it's, it's got horseradish in it. So it had horse mayonnaise. Got it. Gross. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen loves it. Um. So <laughs> we. <laughs> So do I. So why am I like comparing myself to Josh Allen? Uh, um, so here's two predictions. Ready? First one, Frank Gore. Frank Gore hates the Miami Dolphins. He wanted to mm. end his career with us, retire with us. He was going to take the vet minimum. He want, it was wanted um, ownership in the team afterwards. Like He really wanted to buy in, ending his career in the Miami Dolphins. We said, bye-bye, Frank Gore. Love Frank Gore. Believe me, not shitting on him. He needs 73 yards to pass Barry Sanders. He 100% gets it in Miami. Like, how do these things always line up, Sam? It's yeah. like, here's this, like, very doable record that you need to beat. Oh, it's in your hometown where you played college football and played for the team. They spurned you and you, when you thought your career was over and you can finish it now against them on their rival and their division. Oh, okay, of course it's only 73 yards. So he's going to pass Barry Sanders. That's happening probably in the first half. He might break off a 40-yard run in the first run of the game. That's uh, a good That's a good game. Does, does Frank Gore past 73 yards in the first half or the second half of this game Ooh, are you asking me on like the spot that. i'm asking you on the spot i i think he does in the first half honestly Ooh. i can see it i can see us coming out we're worried about josh allen's legs what about him throwing the ball and the line's going to come out pumped everybody loves frank gore anybody that's ever played with him in the locker room they love this guy he's he's just a f- fucking trooper so the line's going to come out hot they know he wants this more than anything he's in his hometown where he played college football high school football where his son played high school football where he played in the nfl for a season like he wants to get this record in front of this in this stadium in front of this crowd um, like honestly, they, they're going to come out hot. The whole line, Josh Allen will be, and I'm sure the play scripting is going to be for him to get the ball a lot. So I can see Frank Gore. If you put a gun to my head, Frank Gore um, gets in the first half. So Frank Gore passes Barry Sanders on the rush list with 73 or more yards in the first half. That is for Chris's first prediction. Mm. What is the second for this game? Second prediction. We win the fucking game. Now, I'm Ooh. not saying I want this to happen, but I'm saying all of the stars align. We already lost to the Bills in a close game on the road. We are on a winning streak. We've got momentum. We're at home. The Bills on the road in a Miami, warm environment. They can't lose this game, right? Good morning football, NFL Network. You can't go down and lose to the Dolphins. You can't lose to the Browns and Dolphins back-to-back. That's going to be in their brain. They're seeing this on social media. They're hearing it on the radio. They're hearing it on the television. You're the Bills. If you're going to actually fight for a wild-card spot and challenge the Patriots in AFC East, there's no way you lose to the Browns and the Dolphins. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And that's all you hear. And when I tell you not to think of an elephant, what do you think of, Sam? I think of an elephant. So you tell the Bills you can't lose too straight. You can't lose to the Dolphins. Oh, we got to get Frank Gore the ball. All of a sudden, wait, Josh Allen's thrown two picks. Fitzpatrick's playing out of his mind, and we're up by 16 points. So I see the Dolphins winning this game 31-20. to 20. 
31 to 20. Wow, that is a, a lot of points for the Miami Dolphins to score in one game. Um, but I love it. I love the confidence. I love how you're feeling this Miami Dolphins team going on a three-game winning streak and ruining, by the way, that would ruin the Buffalo Bills season, more so than losing to the Cleveland oh, yeah. Browns, more so than missing the playoffs for you know 25 of the last 26 years. Losing to the Miami Dolphins and just making them feel like dog crap would be uh, would make them feel like horse mayonnaise, quite frankly. Um <laughs> 31 to 20 would be a statement game not only for uh for the Buffalo Bills as a continued loser of a franchise but for Brian Flores as well it'd be the biggest win so far in his young coaching career. I think we're going to win too. Uh I actually think some of those numbers you talked about are exactly right. Uh it would not surprise me if Frank Gore does get this record. Um but I don't think we're getting 31 points. This team has not shown me that they can score 31 points in a game. Uh, I think we're going to see something very similar to what we see with the Colts game. In fact, I think the Colts game is very reminiscent of what we're going to uh look back on in this because I think, I think, I just have a hankering here that the Miami Dolphins are going to win this game 13 to 10. Oh, God, I'd rather lose by 40. I hate those close games because you know they'll have the ball driving with like 20 seconds left. And like one guy we can count on will give up a like Baker will give up a long catch to the tight end or something. And they'll have to come out for a field goal. Uh, I, this is the, my blood pressure can't take a Sam, but yours is way more plausible than mine. Well, all I've got to do is get uh, somewhere within the 40-yard range, and Jason Sanders, who is the current reigning, defending, undisputed AFC Special Teams Player of the Week with a 48-48-49. Little Paul Heyman, Paul E. Dangerously for Mr. Jason Sanders, uh, AFC Player of the Week. Congratulations to Jason Sanders. About a couple weeks ago, I'm looking at him going, he might not be a fin in 2020 if we were going <laughs> to uh, show anybody. But he came back, redeemed himself, three three field goals of basically 50 yards against the Colts. Uh, yeah, that'll get you Special Teams Player of the Week. Um, with him on our side, Stephen Hauschka doing what the Buffalo Bills kickers do best last week against the Browns and pushing it wide right or wide left or whatever it is they do. Um, I think if this comes a field goal kicking game, the Miami Dolphins are going to win. Oh, yeah, especially just with the crowd and the environment and things like that and Sanders being comfortable. You know, he he went to um, Garfinkel probably after the game and in the locker room. He probably congratulated Jason, congratulated Jason on a good game, and Jason said, can we get a roof and artificial turf? That was pretty sweet. Like, and, then, and then Garfinkel looked at him and said, who are you again? <laughs> Garfinkel said, no, I'm removing the sod, actually, and you're going to have to cook on base, uh, kick on baseball clay just like Alinda Mari had to do. So yeah, get out of my go. face. I don't know who you are. Get uh, out of my face. Wash my underwear. I'm Chandler from Friends. I'm so. Chandler being from Friends. So bang, get out of my face. Boom, I'm out of here. Um, but we're happy. We're happy we won. We're happy that we're going to beat the Bills. It's already been settled here on Welcome to PerfectBuild.com. Uh, well, Welcome to Perfect Bill, anyways, not Welcome to PerfectBuild.com. Uh, but it's been settled, and we're happy. And again, once again, since we're happy and since we won, we can't do Misery Loves Company because we're not miserable, Chris. So instead of that, we're going to have to do the happy, happy, joy, joy game. Once again, we're going to pick three people that are happy, just as happy as the Miami Dolphins. Chris, I'm going to give you the honors of going first. Who is happy alongside the Miami Dolphins this week? That's how he's happy. The Baltimore Ravens are happy that Chris Greer in the front office doesn't listen to their owner because Stephen Ross reportedly really wanted Lamar Jackson. And I watched, yeah, and I watched Lamar Jackson, and now, of course, he's playing the Bengals, and he torched us as well. But they're coming off of a big, dominating victory of the New England Patriots, and this guy is playing like someone I've never seen play in the NFL since maybe Michael Vick. Maybe. He is doing all the right things. Uh, it's like he took... That criticism on being a, quote, running quarterback, uh, and it really pissed him off because he can throw the ball. 
He's making all the plays. He, he He's running like a human joystick out there, and I hate that cliche, but he really did look like it. I was watching it because it was the 1 o'clock game, um, I believe, and we were the 4 o'clock game. game. And or maybe I just switched to it during the commercial, but I, I watched the play live. That big highlight he had of that run where he juke two guys, spun, and then outran everybody into the end zone. He's just playing out of his mind. So the Ravens right now, super happy that they were able to get done and out of that Flacco contract, and that the Dolphins didn't listen to their owner who wanted this guy, a hometown kid. Uh, from Boynton Beach High School, I believe, um, is a Raven because the Dolphins didn't didn't want to take a chance. If it wasn't on. for Russell Wilson, uh, Lamar Jackson would be the MVP of the league so far this year, and it's not even close. I yes. mean, Russell Wilson's on another level right now. You saw what he did against the 49ers on Monday. Uh, that is typical of what Russ Wilson has done so far this year. But outside of that, I absolutely agree with you. Lamar Jackson is the man. Uh, another person who's very happy, Chris, are uh, actually the 1972 Miami Dolphins, mainly mm. because of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson um, somehow managed to throw an interception in overtime that floated in the air so long I had time to get in my car drive to Santa Clara suit up play for the 49ers get on the field and intercept the ball my damn self he comes back from that leads him down for a game-winning field goal with their kicker who just happens to be a stud and coming off of a bad performance a couple of weeks ago uh, he is the MVP of the league and not only are we voting on that but the 1972 Miami Dolphins are voting on that because for another year they can pop that champagne although I don't think they can actually pop the cork anymore they're getting a little long on the tooth there Chris, but they can actually have champagne poured all over them. The perfect season remains. The Miami Dolphins 1972 season, the only perfect season in Super Bowl NFL history. Yeah, Russell Wilson is a great player, and I'm going to do a great radio connection right here with a with a lead in. So Russell Wilson is 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 the MVP so far this year. He was drafted the same year as a guy as my guy uh, for the third and then final uh, happiness loves company, and that is our very own former quarterback mm. Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Who I watched that game. That was the one o'clock game I watched when we had a four o'clock. And he went on, and I'm not going to say he battled Patrick Mahomes and it was like the shootout. Mahomes had like 400-something yards and multiple touchdowns. But he was battling his own defense that was giving up those yards to Patrick Mahomes. And Ryan Tannehill did on that last drive what we all who supported him wanted to seek it on a consistent basis. He led them down the field in a pressure situation against Patrick Mahomes and the defending AFC West champions, AFC championship uh, uh, playing team. And he led them down the field with his feet, running the ball, toughing out yards. I mean, unbelievable. He throws a touchdown pass. Great throw. Um, And then the two-yard conversion, he puts his shoulder down and runs a guy over into the end zone. His teammates run up to him, hug him, love him. Mariota's done in Tennessee. Tannehill's got the love of these fans. And he beats the goddamn Kansas City Chiefs. Um, And they they win. The Titans are this anomaly since Ryan Tannehill's taken over. And I just want to say I don't care. He's gone off our team. I know that. I'm, I'm happy for him. He's a good guy. He's a good person. Uh, he's a good family man, good father, good husband, great interview, very nice guy with the community, stuff like that. I'm happy for him, and, and he should be happy too. What a hell of a win. Eight touchdowns versus four interceptions and a quarterback rating, Chris. Are you ready for this on the season? 104.4 yes. for the Tennessee Titans mm. here. I mean, he, he's got over almost 1,200 yards passing in five games. Uh, the guy's just doing everything right for the Tennessee Titans, and you're right. The Marcus Mariota era in Tennessee is over. Speaking of quarterbacks that might be free agents next year, maybe we want the Hawaiian flying Hawaiian there because Marcus Mariota is done as a Tennessee Titan, especially if Ryan Tannehill continues to do this. I had a friend who was at that game, and he was texting me going, how did you guys let this guy go? And I'm like, that's not the guy we let go. 
that's that's his twin brother. <laughs> that's Ozzy Canseco, not Jose. I don't know, or the other way around. That's Jose Canseco, not Ozzy. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was impressive to see him, and he deserves all the happy stuff that comes his way. And we're gonna go a fourth here, Chris. This is what we call a, a tease in a transition. We're going into a fourth happiness here, and I'm gonna go with Easy Drake Oven being on the Happiness Loves Company bandwagon here because Easy Drake Oven is now three and seven with the worst roster I have seen since the Miami Dolphins of 2019. But you pull out yet another victory in the okayest fantasy league ever. You're three and seven. Your season is mirroring the 2019 Miami Dolphins season almost to a T. How happy are you to be out of the gutter, Fiedler fan, in last place in the West of our standings here in okayest fantasy football league? You are in fourth place, and you are facing that same last place team this week, Fiedler fan. <laughs> I'm five games back. <laughs> I'm, yes. sitting, I'm sitting at 300, but here we are, three and seven. Two game uh, Schneid, two game winning streak, and Sam. Here's the best part: I'm projecting to win again. I think I won one twenty seven to ninety seven or something like that this week. Absolutely shit housed whoever I was playing. I think it was Jordan Gross, former uh, Panthers tackle. Jordan Gross um, can't hide from me, buddy. And uh, I beat you, and, and then uh, <laughs> I beat you. <laughs> so, and then I'm now playing Fiedler fan, who's in the tank behind me in the division, and I am projected to win and go on a three-game winning streak. Sam, I'm glad you did that. It's a great tease. My prediction of the Dolphins winning on Sunday is strictly for that reason. I'm projected to win, so I'm projecting them to win too because we are tied at the hip, baby. At some point, I'm going to ISO that I beat you, and we're going to use that as a drop on our show in the future. I beat you, and that was the funniest thing I've heard. That was so juvenile. Congratulations. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're 3-7 and seven and five games out. No way in hell you're making the playoffs of our fantasy league. I am in second place, one game out, but I feel miserable because I lost to Raceling this week, and it wasn't even close. I, uh, I feel awful, even though I'm 6-4 and four and clearly making the playoffs in my own uh, league here. But uh, there you go. Congratulations. Easy Drake Oven. You're repping a guy who's not even... Even on the team, and uh, you're you're somehow winning games. That makes no. That sense just shows my laziness that I don't want to change the name at this point, where I clearly could. Um, but yeah, it's it's. There's some good names there too. I mean, uh, one of our guys changed his name to Um. I thought we were tanking. I'm 99 problems, but mm. Fitz ain't one. Uh, one of our wrestling, I think, is actually cutting players makes me angrier and Greer being Chris Greer. So that's good. Rake and Bake that makes a lot of sense. Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. Uh, there's Laird Fitzless. So we have Laird Patrick Laird who actually played, who also looked like my accountant last week, standing on the sidelines next to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you see that by the way? So you have old, you know, Colonel uh, from the Civil War, Ryan Fitzpatrick with his grizzled beard, and uh, somehow like he's so old that the concussion that he supposedly got actually took 17 minutes to register with the NFL because they had to write an actual handwritten note to say get him off the field and check him because that's how old he is, standing next to Patrick Laird, who's clean-shaven and looks like a little baby next to him. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was like eat old, new. It was crazy. I thought he was the ball boy at first, like honestly, or like like um, make a make a wish <laughs> like in a jersey able to stand on the <laughs> sideline. Like He looks very young, and good on him. If we want to talk about Laird for a second, or or a Lord, or Larry, or Lenny, my dad. Um, he, he, it was almost in the same situation as you, where he had like two running backs that were out. One was on a bye week and no one, so he signed Patrick Laird, oh, and no. he starts the game with like those two catches. And my dad's like, <laughs> "Those are fucking two points. I'm the best fantasy player in the world." Like he just went crazy, and then I don't think he played the rest of the game. <laughs> no, I always love watching those one guys, like a fourth string running back who happens to have one good game, and then everybody picks him up in the league after that. You know. 
know, and then they just do nothing the rest of the year, and they're just sitting there on your bench vulturing a spot from somebody who's actually consistently getting 8, 9, 10 points every week. Uh, but that's how fantasy football goes, man. So uh, check it out. You can find us the okayest fantasy league ever, one of the best fantasy football leagues I've ever been a part of, just fantastic uh, dialogue throughout, shit-talking throughout. It's been creative. It's been fun. Uh, and like I said, we're expanding this entire program next year. So if you're not in this year, let us know. We'll get you in next year. We're going to have ourselves a fun, fun time. And this episode, Chris, speaking of fun, has been a fun, fun time. Uh, we talked about us beating the Bills. We have our predictions. We talked about Finner finished. Uh, apparently, Charles Harris is finished for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we talked about your gambling problem in the form of a commercial, which is great. Uh, we talked about our inexplicable win against the Indianapolis Colts, which makes us feel great. Um, we talked a little bit about what's going on with Brian Flores and how he's progressing as a coach and this team and this franchise in general just being energized. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on this very special episode of Perfectville, Chris? No, I mean, I think I'm good. I am good as well. Everybody is good, which means we can only say goodbye from Perfectville, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and Big Heads Media podcast network. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.